This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. You are listening to The Mallory Report, a live radio show that ventures into the mysteries of life, as well as the hot topics of the day, either political or business. everybody to this evening's Mauer Report. I, I keep saying I'm going to quit saying that, and after 10 years, I'm pretty sure it's just going to be part of what it is. Uh, I want to welcome David Strasser to the show. David, how are you doing tonight? Oh, I'm doing wonderful. Thank you so much for having me here, man. First and foremost, if anybody sees me doing anything weird with my hands, it's because I've got a candle on the desk and trying to get warm. It's a robust, like, 18 degrees outside. And while the window is insulated for sound, you'd think it insulated for heat, but I'm not quite sure it's working tonight. So, uh, David is the host of the Shark Bite podcast, which I had the pleasure of being on uh, before. I, I was going to say how yeah. long ago, and then it seems like I was going to say a few weeks ago, it and then seems I realized. Like forever right now, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, I was going to say. At one point, I was thinking a few weeks ago, and then I was like, oh, that was a couple months ago. And then I'm like, I'm just going to say I was a guest before because I honestly don't remember how long ago that was. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think uh, it was maybe September ish. I mean, you were in the first 30 episodes. Now I'm up to about 60. Okay, so people would have to dig back a little bit, but we'll get it linked in my podcast notes. Season one. Season one, yep. Okay, so you do the season things. So now I'll tell you, I'll be honest. Season things were a midstream development when I'm, when I, because in the history of my show, I've never, I've never done any of them. So how many episodes are you putting in a season? Yeah. How many, how many did you put in that first season? Oh, sorry, sorry. Uh, yeah, you had cut out there. So I had uh, 50 episodes in the first season, and I ran it all the way up to Christmas Eve, took, uh, I think, a week off with the holidays, and then launched uh, the first week in January. I think it was January 4th with season two. And, you know, that was one of the biggest, hardest things to where am I going to cut it off for the seasons and stuff like that? And I still don't really have that all figured out. I am kind of just doing it on the whim. <laughs> I was going to say, I, don't, I, I just run them. I, I, I thought about going through and put like the years back in the seasons and whatever. And then I'm like, you know what that sounds like? Work. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, that, that's one of the reasons why I decided to do it. To, like even season two, we're in season two, but the episode count doesn't restart so i think yesterday's uh monday's episode was like episode 61 uh which isn't the 61st episode in season two it's 61st one altogether. but i i figured breaking them up into different time periods or seasons maybe will allow me to kind of organize it a little bit better over time well, you'll have, we'll keep up to date on that one. We'll see how that all works out for us. Um, so, obviously, I'm not here to talk to you about the podcast. The podcast is a great thing you do. But what made you want to start doing the podcast? Because we're going to work our way backwards through this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, apologize. You were cutting out pretty pretty rough there, bud. Oh, well, I was going to say, so we're not going to obviously spend all night on your podcast. But what made you want to start the podcast? Oh, yeah. Because we're going to work backwards through this. Oh, yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, uh, here, if you don't mind, I'll just give a quick overview just who I am. I'm essentially like a subject matter expert in sales, marketing, business, tech. But mostly what I do is just really help small businesses break through the barriers of growth via the promise of technology. I also run the podcast, as you mentioned, that I'm in the Forbes Business Advisory Council, which is pretty cool because I'm starting to get a couple articles there flowing through Forbes as well, too. That's a big feather in your hat. We got that's worth mentioning. Actually, I had that squared up to mention. Make sure you got that out there. Um, yeah. So, so small business, man. Okay, I'm just gonna I'm gonna ask the easiest sounding question of the night, and you're gonna stand there and go, oh, please. So, how does small business look today? 
Uh, it's really a mixed bag of nuts. So my day job, as I call it, is I, I run the Northeast region for an ERP company called Vision 33. And we, we specialize with the small to mid-sized businesses. Now, I, I'm mentioning that that just to give it a free plug, but it's actually because it's very relevant to the question that you're asking. We have a lot of good insight with companies that make and move products and stuff like that during this pandemic. And to be honest, we probably lost about 10% of our customers that aren't coming back. And that's because their businesses were essentially destroyed. You know, they went bankrupt, they're out of business, or they had some significant negativity, you know, negative effects that happened during the pandemic. Um, but I would say most of them uh, made it through. Some are just okay. At the beginning, I think it was more of a shock than what it was. But in 2021, we businesses essentially have been able to prepare for it. If you think about when this happened back in March of 2020, it was a shock. It shut everything down. Now going into 2021, most businesses have adopted in some way or form, and they're better fit going into this year than they were mid last year. So this is another one of these easy sounding questions for me to ask, but yep. not necessarily um, have an answer to. Who is going to face the biggest challenges or changes going forward? Is that going to be the restaurant industry or like full-blown brick-and-mortar retail? See, restaurant industry is tough. Um, they're in a very, very tough predicament. And one of the things is, I don't know if you are, Jim, but people are pretty cheap with food. <laughs> when you go out <laughs> to eat, you know, you, you, you try to do it on a budget, uh, you know, and you're only probably willing to pay X amount of dollars per plate of food. And that's kind of the type of restaurants that you'll go to. Well, the restaurant injury, uh, industry, because of that, they're notorious for having very low margins. And with how this pandemic has hit its, you know, on a lot of them. Now, some of them already, and the ones that are successful are the ones that really uh, digitally transformed, I guess you could say, to where they are embracing the technologies of Uber Eats, you know, DoorDash, Grubhub, stuff like that, and... You know, the ones that didn't are the ones that really did not embrace that technology because it, it's a fact. Those restaurants, they didn't need them before the pandemic. In fact, the guy that we had on from out in Southern California, he was telling me that before the, the pandemic, he had a beef. He hated when and food up. He had no control over the quality. And they stopped it. Now, realizing what it was, he had to make a quick pivot, man. And he had to, uh, you know, kind of put the ego down there and just figure out the, how to do things a little bit of a different way. You know, as far as how they package their food, how it's sent, stuff like that. So that way they could still give optimal, you know, quality of the food that they could be happy with by going through these third party tech companies. Yeah, I was going to say that that's the biggest change I think we're going to see is I think people that weren't consumers online beforehand are going to be. Mm -hmm. I don't know what the number oh, yeah. is now, but it's it's got to be a lot higher than it was a year ago. Oh, yeah, definitely. Definitely. And if you think for for one second, like um, a minute ago, I was telling you that I work with a lot of companies that make or move products. OK, that that's really the core of what we do i have a i have two stories i could kind of tell that are both really quick but anybody that knows me in person knows that uh yeah you might see me with a uh you know a nice suit and a tie on but underneath that i wrote up the sleeves i got like rock bra bracelets on and stuff like that <laughs> uh i really the the rebel when it comes down to it and one of my favorite companies is this company called Strung, uh, S-T-R-U-N-G, and they're in this band called 
blame shift. They came out with these bracelets. They really, really, really counted on live events, concerts, shows, stuff like that in order to sell their bracelets. So once this happened, they had to shift and do a digital first um, business strategy. Once they did that, I mean, their sales are off the roof because realistically, the pandemic has pushed it to where everybody is going mobile first or web first before they do the purchases. I mean, you look at um, what is it, the the pickup services and stuff like that, like maybe you're going to Costco to pick it up yourself to get the food. You're not having it delivered by somebody chances are you're still doing the checkout on samsclub.com on their website, and then you're going there to pick it up. Things like that, uh, people weren't using as frequent as you think they were before the pandemic, but it really changed the game. It pushed people over to actually adopt and get used to this tech. Yeah, I was going to say, I know that I know I have firsthand knowledge that the Walmart pickup, at least in one particular location, has been book solid for over a year now. Like, I guess yeah. most of a year. Like, every day. There hasn't been a slot for two or three days. Because I, I tried to do it a couple times, and it's like, I just wanted to, you know, put the order yeah. and go get it. And then it's like, yep. you have to wait two days. And I'm like, well, what's the point? If I, I, I guess I'm just like, go there on demand. I'm on <laughs> demand. Like, I, <laughs> I see that. I seen a, uh, what was it, uh, some explainer video for a, a, a goo, uh, a spoof product called Amazon yesterday where the product, <laughs> the product arrives before you order it. And I went, uh, man, you know, I, I'm like, this seems so bad right now. Right. Because it, you know, it's so far fetched that, you know, but I'm thinking in the back of my head, man, at some point because of the, the patterns of human behavior and the artificial intelligence working together, plus having a profile on you that this isn't that far away. No, no, it's not. And I have a couple little nuggets there that I wanted to just address. One being on this technology and the second one being about AI, like you just mentioned. The first one, what I'll say is a lot of the technology that we're using as part of our daily lives. You know, if you're working, you're probably using Microsoft Teams, for example, or, I don't know, Zoom, stuff like that, video calls, a lot more digital tools. And all this stuff existed before the pandemic. It just wasn't the go-to solution. Now, because everybody's using it, it's kind of cool. They got some more rapid uh, development, and it really made these products evolve over the last year. But all this technology that we've had, I'd say maybe 90 95% of it was around pre-pandemic. We just weren't taking advantage of it. I know you were dumbfounded this afternoon when we were putting this together that I don't use Zoom. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I, I could just tell. I could feel that angst through the message. Like, yeah. what do you mean you don't? Yeah, yeah. You know, it, it's just because it is. <laughs> Skype isn't bad. It just has the bad rap that people think of the brand Skype and they think of Dinosaur. Yeah, well, and, you know what? I can tell you, it's a lot better than it was eight years ago. Oh, yeah. Yeah, in fact, when I re-downloaded it for this call, I was like, wow, they let you set meeting links now. That's an improvement. <laughs> yeah, and, and everything's better. I mean, there are some things I, I you know, I, I always lament change, right? But I, I get yeah. over it. But So, there's that. Okay, so... Here, I wanted to mention this other point yeah. real quick, and yeah. that was you you brought up AI. I was going to hit on this later on, but if we're here, let's, let's target it. AI is getting so, so advanced. It is crazy. If you ever feel like you're looking – I think one of the big things is, is I use the Google like news feed from Google's assistant on my cell phone. I will see an article pop up there within the day of me thinking something, like something just crossed my mind, like, ah, I forgot to check up on this, or I wonder what happened with this story or something. It would be something very, very random, okay? And I don't say it out loud. I don't type it down. It was just in my head. And then within a day, 
you're seeing that stuff. It is super, super creepy. But on the flip side, that means the this AI and all those algorithms and stuff like that, those digital profiles that you talked about, they're working because they actually kind of understand how my mind works. So now we're in the AI and creepy space. <laughs> I see in my head right now Bitcoin hitting 100,000. Okay. Woo! Woo! <laughs> Did you invest? I have some in there. I, I have just enough to make me get, keep an eye on it. Not, you know, okay. nothing. That, but hey, if it hits 100,000, I will be a lot happier than I am tonight. Oh, yeah, yeah. You'll go from uh, $1 to $2, right? <laughs> Uh, yeah, maybe 75 cents. Okay. Yeah, there you go. There you go. So now, I want to ask you, what yeah. is, we've, we've talked about this a little bit on social media. What is your general opinion on cryptocurrency, Bitcoin, whatever it is? I mean, just that whole class together. What do you think about it? I, th- I think there's, it's a game changer, first and foremost, mm-hmm. before I start down this road of, it, 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 the the different coins, I think we're getting a little muddy, right? If people, mm-hmm. it seems like every day I see a new coin perspective and yeah. all this other stuff. So it's starting to get muddy, which means it's starting to get competitive, which is good because I think the cream will rise to the top. I just worry about people dumping a bunch of money into something, some coin. Of course, there's always risk in these things, first and foremost. But, you know, I could see something going sideways. I mean, a couple yeah. years ago, I was on a site that, I had, I don't want, again, I just play with, you know, not a lot of money, just enough that I could keep an eye on it. But that site just kind of vanished in the thin air one night. And I'm like, Thanks, Jim. You just made me check my crypto right now. <laughs> it was like, and then you hear these stories about guys that have, you know, had bitcoins back in the day, like 2015, and now yep. they can't find the passwords and try to dig through landfills. And, you know, like it's just so. Yep. <laughs> There was just a story like uh, last week where some dude had about a uh, Bitcoin that's currently worth, I think it was 100 million or 180 million, has it on an encrypted hard drive. And he only has uh, two attempts yet to recover his password before the drive will be erased. Can you imagine? I mean, I know that my password, I mean, if, if somebody were to hack me, they could probably own a lot of me, right? I have a few standard passwords, not easy to guess, but nevertheless, and the ones that aren't oh, I'm standard. I'm going to send you a link so that you can reset your password. I know. I should probably. I I, I need to do that, that anyways. I'm um, trying to give you a phishing scam, Jim. That's okay. Go ahead. <laughs> but anyway, so but right, like I can't imagine putting it somewhere and then just not remembering, especially when you had money involved. I guess that's where I'm at with it. Yeah, and it's it's tough, you know, and that's one of the, the things. We were going back and forth. You've obviously have seen that I'm on the Dogecoin train, and that's the one thing I think Doge does kind of have over something like Bitcoin, and that is is that there is an unlimited supply. I mean, it's not like it's all available right now. My understanding is is that it gets released slowly in the future, like X amount as it gets mined or whatever. But that allows for for growth because you get into a digital currency. I mean, after a while, it's going to become very, very scarce because Bitcoin, you have over 7 billion people on, the, on this earth. Okay, what happens when all seven billion need to use some form of Bitcoin and, you know, they're losing their cell phone or whatever it may be that they have it on and you're going to lose bits of information. There's going to be so much of that that will eventually be unrecoverable. And I think that's why a lot of people like Snoop Dogg, Elon Musk, uh, even Mia Khalifa was pushing for something like dogecoin to make it into the mainstream so i have got a question now this is just very half yep. maybe this is not even a question maybe this is just me being me at this point because you mm-hmm. know eventually we're going to run out of gold and oil to mine for maybe people will be out actually quote unquote seriously looking for hard drives that had bitcoin on it yeah some, you know anc- that? some ancestor about 20 28 or eight, 20 you know 2800 Somewhere in there is going to be skimming back through these things and see this, and it's going to go out there as one of these prophecies because this will all be transcribed and everybody will be reading it then. 
and they'll yes. be like, this Mallard guy, mm, he might be onto something. There might be some rare no, currency no, 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 in the ground. Back up, back up. This Mallard and Strausser. Oh, hey. yes, 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 yes. So, uh, but, okay, if it's released, I, I asked you this the other day on social media, just kind of being flippant, but I'm going to kind of paint this picture back around. But if it's yeah, released every so often, you, we had the supply and debate going. If it's released every so often, how do we get enough demand? You just have to create more demand, right, is what I'm well, trying to get to. It gets, it gets mined. I mean, you have to look what is most cryptocurrencies. Dogecoin's, I think, one of the... You know, one of the exceptions to the rules because it's a meme coin. It's not like Bitcoin or if you look at um, some of the other ones like LTC, Litecoin um, or Maker, uh, those types of cryptos. They all do something on the back end and they actually have something that, you know, powers a network. It has actually real life value of it. And that's where I kind of view it almost like you're getting a stock uh, with crypto. Uh, you're buying an actual asset. I view it more like that rather than currency. And that's where I think, you know, you get into the Dogecoin. If that can equal a dollar USD, I mean, that could be easily accepted. But to answer your question, I think, yeah, I mean, you're going to have people that are eventually, you know, I, I think it's going to be more like they're recycling. They're going to be recycling these computers as our laptops and desktops die. And as that gets recycled, they're probably going to hook it up into a machine and check the hard drive and see if there's any, you know, fragments of crypto on there. So I guess my, I think as we go forward, though, I mean banks and you know there's going to be credit cards on self i mean you can already do this apple pay and all this other stuff so yeah. the conversion factor to using crypto now is seems to be getting less and less too yeah and then and as i think about what we just said you know you, like you're saying about people scouring for bitcoin that is in the early days you know 2010 to 2015 you have a lot more of that than you have now because now there are crypto services out there uh binance is one of the big ones uh robin hood to a point uh, they do a couple cryptos um what's the other one coinbase is another one of those exchange markets so because of that instead of having all those physical things on your computer with the wallets and stuff like that that were complicated it is now very very easy to do to where all you need is your username and password you log in it's all in the cloud to the ultimate point though if that's hacked you have nothing yeah, you have nothing. Um, and unfortunately, I mean, that that is something that's very, very risky. Now, I am not a financial advisor, so don't buy crypto just because I, I, I like it. But one thing I would say is because I am a tech advisor, and that is you should definitely take advantage uh, of any of those accounts, especially with crypto. Uh, with crypto because crypto is less protected than other types of assets as far as either cash in an account, stocks, savings, bonds, stuff like that. You have the least amount of protection with crypto because of its kind of like quasi-legal stake globally. So you have to take full advantage of any MFA, which is multi-factor authentication, stuff like that. Um, to protect you. And, and for those that don't know what MFA actually is, it's kind of like, say, I'm logging in to Robinhood. On my cell phone, nobody can log into Robinhood but me without my fingerprint, okay? Now, on my computer, if I go to log into Robinhood, I think it actually um, uh, sends me a text and I need the code. Basically, you need to get some kind of authentication from a second device before it allows you in. Coinbase, even when you put your username and password in, if it's a new computer, you've got to check your email and click the link that they sent you before you can log in. Even if you have the right username and password, without your email account, you're screwed, you're done. 
So that is the one way that you can really protect yourself with all these cloud-based crypto exchanges. And that is the password that is the most secure I have, is my email password, because everything else goes back to it. Just for the did record. You just, did you just make it like the number four password? Password with the... Uh, no, the number four, then password. No, it's email password with the at Oh, okay. Okay, there you go. There you go. <laughs> So, I mean, it, it, look, if, if you're going into uh, the crypto market, just hedge your bets. I mean, especially with crypto, it's very volatile. And I would say don't invest anything that you cannot afford to lose. Bitcoin's going to be safer. Uh, and really think of it as like you're buying an asset or a stock, I would say, right now rather than the digital currency. You can look for something that might shoot to the moon, like, for example, Doge. But, uh, you know, you've got to be a little bit safe. I mean, it's kind of almost like going to play roulette in Vegas. Pretty close to that. So uh, you mentioned these. You mentioned Robinhood, and there was some some news about them a couple. Was that last week? Oh, was uh, there? Was, was that last week? Oh, my goodness. Yeah, it feels oh. like last year. <laughs> oh, here we are. Weird time continuum next um, with the with the GameStop thing. You're a tech guy, so you're you're yep. you're familiar with Reddit. You're on Reddit. I've been trying to get more apt and into it because yeah, I've heard that's I've heard that is probably the best social network. Am I wrong? Um, I think you probably have some more freedom in Reddit because you can have I, I think a little bit more open discussions on that platform there's a lot of different perspectives i think maybe there's more collaboration in a lot of those things a lot better and for much more variety than on facebook or twitter because twitter i mean it's almost like throwing a dart at the board to see if anybody's going to see it and it's probably only if you hit a specific topic or a hashtag and even if you do who knows if they see it you're limited to X amount of characters. And Reddit, I mean, you're, you're searching for a topic or whatever, and anybody can really see it. I think it's easier to to be able to find people to engage in, in discussions on certain topics through Reddit more deeply than other platforms. Yeah, I, I, like I said, I've been kind of screwing with it, just trying to get better at it. I've Wish I would have a couple years ago, but you know. Yeah. Oh, I've got regrets. Too many to mention. <laughs> but no. So this whole GameStop thing, being tech guy. Yep. How, how did that hit you? Being because I mean, obviously you're not the investment guy. Obviously, you just kind of said that. But yep. the tech guy kind of sitting there going, "That's pretty cool." I'm assuming. Let's see what he says. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I thought it was cool because if you look at the argument. Um, Again, I'm not a lawyer, too, but uh, <laughs> uh, here's a little bit of the legal analysis. They, you know, they're, they're trying to say, hey, it was a collusion or stuff like that from the Redditors because they're organizing to manipulate the market. But basically, from what I see, they've actually protected themselves in a way because before they picked GameStop, they said, hey, look, these are, I think it was like four or five reasons why this stock is undervalued and why we should go after this stock. And they were pretty good points that are reasonably debatable. And it's like, hey, enough people thought the same and ended up buying the stock. I mean, I was totally for that because it was like, you know, the little guy was beating the big guy. And it's awesome to see a technological platform like reddit be able to unite people around the world for something pretty awesome like that that is how i think social media should operate take note facebook and twitter <laughs> uh wait or you know that's an interesting conversation about facebook and twitter and the censorship that people claim mm -hmm. is going on there now, you yeah. being a business owner, if I came into your business and started spouting off things that you didn't agree with, what are you going to do? Right, but the difference is is that 
I don't have Section 230 to stand behind. So I, I can't just say, hey, look, on one hand, I'm protected under Section 230, and I am not liable for anything that's on the platform. Section For those who don't know, Section 230 is a special carve-out in the law to enable tech companies. Um, you know, it was put in effect so that in the early 2000s, platforms like Facebook could grow, um, you know, not worried about being sued because some guy named Bob in Arizona wrote something disparaging about Sarah in Minneapolis. You know what I mean? It, it takes the liability from the platform out of that and puts it more on, on the users. And that's where, again, it says if they're a platform, not a publisher, there is a pretty clear distinction in that law. So basically, if you look from this angle, okay, to where you come onto a place like, like Twitter, you say something bad, should they be able to? Well, it depends. If if Twitter's claiming, or Facebook, or whoever, is that they're protected by Section 230, then it should, you know, it should be allowed. They should be able to do everything. Because the moment they start going in and restricting the speech, they no longer, you know, unless it's illegal. You know, there's an exception, like if you say, hey, I'm going to go off somebody, that's illegal. So, yeah, that that is something they're able to allow to remove. But anything else, you know, it, it, it's you're not no longer a platform. You're actually editing and curating the content. So you are essentially nothing other than CNN or Fox or whoever, whatever news station you allow, just that instead of having actual reporters, your 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 uh, you know users are kind of reporting the information and you're picking what sticks in the platform or not. And I think that's the big clear difference with all of this. So with all the money they make, are they gonna start paying us? <laughs> <laughs> they should, right? I, you remember, you, you're old enough to remember when people, that big Facebook post was going around that they're going to start making you pay money to be a Facebook member. Oh, yeah. Well, they're actually kind of looking at that at Twitter right now for a form of monetization. They're, they're talking about removing, well, I think it would still have ads, but they're not going to be as dependent on ad revenue they are going to charge over a certain amount. Now, when I say they are going to, this is not finalized. It's just what all the business people are talking about, the potential model that Twitter could go to where they're going to charge the bigger your platform, the more your monthly fee. So if you have X amount of followers, I think it started at like, maybe 25,000 or so. I, I forget the number I saw in like Business Insider, but they'll start charging those people. So it, it's pretty interesting. Well, that's great. Are they going to charge me at the rate that I used to have or the rate that I have now for followers before they started doing all these playing these games? Because that's important to know. Yeah, yeah. The, <laughs> the whole thing's crazy, man. I remember, brief moment, I had 110,000 followers. Now it's down to almost 79,000 or whatever it is. Wow. Wow, yeah. There's a, I mean, even mine, I don't have as many followers as the great Jim Mallard, but uh, I did have about 7,000, and it went down to about uh, 5,500 at one point when they did this mass purge, I guess. So I want to ask you then, I, I yeah. gave a pretty compelling case there on the censorship stuff, which is stuff that we've also kind of chatted about online. What did you think about my argument and the actual point there with what I'm trying to make and where I view that if Twitter wants to censor somebody, that's fine. If then they say that they're a publisher, okay, but you can't have it both ways, and that's what I'm arguing against. Yeah, I was going to say, you can't have it both ways. And again, I I, I joke about losing followers, and I, I can show you some horrible 
analytics that make your head spin because you tweet so many times and you think you get that much reach and you get reach of 100, 100 people a day or whatever it is. It's maybe not that bad, but it's ridiculous. So, you know, uh-huh. they're, manipulating, they're manipulating the numbers within. And here's the, the problem, right? So I look at that and go, well, if my normal tweet reaches 400 people, right? Right. Why would I then trust you to then leverage it and buy an ad on your platform because I'm not reaching anybody anyways. And that's, the oh, yeah. real, that's the real problem I have with Facebook. I mean, it's yeah. worse on Facebook. Oh, every time, every time I turn around, they're popping up. Hey, you want to boost this post? No, I want you to, I want my fans that actually pushed like on this page to see it. That's what I want. You know, and, and that's absolutely true. And I think that goes back to what I was saying as far as, publisher or are you a platform but you know facebook's been around for what 15 years now roughly yeah, um, yeah yeah whatever it is but the thing is i mean you have people that are liking pages and stuff like that for the last 15 years on the platform and basically i mean if they got if their news feed was filled up with all the people <laughs> like for example your show in there it would be mixed in it would just be like non-stop ads from all yeah, these but companies it'd be nice to ha- but it, if that's what the person wanted to do then they have the choice at the end of the day to oh yeah that page too oh yeah no i, I mean, totally there, agree with that i mean there are people i have friends on my friends list who are still dumbfounded i do i'm still doing my show like they don't see it anymore wow yeah, yeah, you know, a lot of people are feeling that a couple shows that I watch complaining about the the same thing. It almost feels like you're shadow banned in a sense. Yeah, without question. It's like, what well, I mean, obviously, that's where the top gets heavy because your Coca Cola's not to pick on Coca Cola, but we'll just use them because they're a well well established brand. Yeah. I've seen their ads before. They can pour more money into it, and they get their ads placed, and that eats the space and eats the feed because you only scroll so far. Oh, yeah. So, oh, yeah, 100%. So, I mean, while we're talking about banning and stuff like that, mm-hmm. there is something that I'd like to bring light to people because I think that this is a problem. You have to look. There are ecosystems right now with different, I guess you could say, tech circles. Depending if you have an Android, you have an iPhone, you could be all in on the Apple ecosystem, you could be all in on the Google ecosystem or Microsoft or whatever it may be out there. And I just heard a very, very sad story I've been following for the last uh, two days about, you know... It's about this developer that ended up losing their Google account completely. And it's so sad because it's not a anomaly. It's actually something that happens very frequently. And it kind of makes me freak out being a techie, being a business person. Like these accounts get suspended for no reason. And many people have had these accounts for 10 plus years. Everything that you bought, every digital movie, Every app, every single thing you bought digitally through a company like Google vanished. No way to appeal it or anything. How crazy is that? How dangerous is that, too? That is extremely dangerous, but, I mean, I guess that speaks volumes to having... I mean, I have my own, like, you know, I have my own email address. Of course, I'm limited to that service provider, right? So if I get canceled from them until I find a new one, I'm out without my email address. Well, I mean, it also could be to where, let's just say you were in cancel culture that someone went after you, okay? It's not just that. I mean, look at, like, what they did with Parler, where they got it so essentially nobody would even host them. I mean, that is insane. What do you do? You pack it up and you go home. (laughs) I don't know. I mean, that's that's the worst part. What do you do? I mean... Honestly, so I've had these kind of lights on epiphany moments a few times through the course of these 10 years of doing this show, almost uh-huh. 10 years of doing these shows. The first one was the first time I heard fake news and I thought I was screwed, right? Because <laughs> big, mon- big money on top, right? 
Who, yeah. who are they going to protect? Boy, I was a little wrong about that, but it's still kind of, I still kind of feels grody like they're trying to play the game backwards somehow. But uh-huh. that's just my two cents on that. And the other one was when Alex Jones got banned from all the major platforms. Yeah. Now, note, note that I'm not Alex Jones, and I no. am not claiming any of those things, but within the... Um, the gray area gorilla, of that, ty- that type out, of show. I am Gorilla. Shout out to Alex. Within that gray area, my show is much closer to him than the nightly news with Tom Brokaw. Right? Right, right. <laughs> Just to be honest. I guess Tom Brokaw <laughs> hasn't hosted that show in a good bit, but nevertheless. <laughs> Just dated myself there. Um, yeah, you- yeah, you did. <laughs> <laughs> so as we start sliding down that hill and the the avalanche starts going, my little spot in the woods is going to get taken up long before the others. And yeah, so what do you do about that? Well, you... I mean, it's a it's a, it's a danger. And what I don't like, I really think that in the United States, we need to have a right at this point because. You're stuck using an ecosystem, okay? It's not really like you have choices. I mean, most people are going to be all in with Google, all in with Apple or Microsoft, and you might even use a mix between, you know, those two, three services, but you're essentially going to be all in. I mean, from your Gmail account, uh, Outlook account, your uh, Apple email account, whatever it may be, you have your life worth of documents in there pictures of your kids when they were two and you thought that they were safely stored and then all of a sudden you get canceled and everything's gone and for the developer that i was looking at they don't even know why they were canceled they were a a developer that was in good standing with google and apparently something weird happened to their youtube channel and bam they're gone they're like 15 years worth of business files videos stuff like that that are legit and they're even working on a game for google stadia right now this is terrifying it should be for anybody yeah i've always wondered about the just random you know drop of service just mm-hmm. i mean technology i mean let's be honest right nothing's bulletproof right Put it in the cloud i mean it could rain <laughs> That was bad. Well, the thing is, is that, yeah, mistakes happen, stuff like that, but there is no actual process to fix it. If they say, hey, your account's gone, you appeal, you get bot answers, it's not reviewed by a person, unless you're lucky enough to get media organizations to cover it, you have nothing, and there's no way to retrieve any of those you know, items in there that could have a lot of sentimental value to somebody. Yeah, well, I guess I should share this story with you since we're talking about Google, not to rip on Google yeah. or any of these problems, but um, three years ago, I started getting emails daily uh, about demonetizing my videos, right? And here's the problem. Uh, the, the emails that I were getting these demonetizations about weren't the videos that I was, de- was monetizing in the first place. Right. I, mean, I picked probably six or seven shows that, you know, were generating 90% of the traffic through the ad, mm-hmm. you know, put the AdSense and all that stuff on them, let them go, made, well, not enough to cash out, right? Because, you know, yeah, mm-hmm. but, but still, whatever. They were sitting there making a few pennies a day, whatever. Someday I it might have been, been worth it. And I just kept getting all these yeah. emails day after day. You know what I finally did? I just, deleted, I just deleted that YouTube channel. I was done with it because... You're telling me you're, uh, you're demonetizing something that I never monetized in the first place. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is it is crazy. And then try to go through an appeal process with that, and it is horrible. I mean, you're you're not really going to get anywhere. When I first launched my my podcast, the Shark Bite Biz, I was having problems getting it listed, uh, even getting Google ads. And the reason was is because they were trying to say that I'm fake news talking about COVID. And I'm like, 
dude, dude, dude. I'm not actually reporting on COVID. I'm not actually reporting on the pandemic. I am talking to business owners and how they dealt with the pandemic. And eventually I did get hold of somebody. You know why? Because it was for Google Ads. And obviously that's their <laughs> bread and butter. But if it was through any of the other Google services for that, um, I don't know if I ever would have got whitelisted. Well, here, here's the other fun story. Uh, Pandora started taking podcasts, what, a year, two years ago, I guess it was, right? Yeah. I submitted probably day two after I seen the announcement because I knew, because I listen to music on Pandora, so hello, <laughs> right? I have never been approved, and every time I try to submit again, I get a denial. Wow. Well, well I mean, I don't know if this will make you feel better or not, but if you want... Uh, you should probably shoot out the link to the Shark Bite Biz Pandora station. <laughs> <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> is that gonna is that gonna help? No. <laughs> uh, it'll help me. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the whole thing here, I mean, it is just kind of kind of crazy how much control that they literally have over our lives and i'm not a big fan of it but there's no other alternative and that's where i'm somebody that's for no regulation things like that i don't view this as being a regulation i would view it more as a right that we would get as americans here in the u.s that there's a formal appeals process or some way to retrieve their data that's on that cloud service and not have it, you know, just deleted and you lose everything. That yeah, is least, one piece of legislation I'd go for. At least a notice of why it was shut off and access to that point. If it doesn't let you post anymore or whatever, I could be on board with that. Right, right. But even with, you know, downloaded or whatever, there has to be... The, the thing is, is that there is no standard right now. We do not have a bill of rights for the digital age. And we do need to assure that we get some rights here during this time period because things are probably just going to get worse. I think that we're way down on the uh, slippery slope. So uh, we've kind of been beaten pretty hard here. So let, let's turn this around a little. Well, maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Um Touching no, the I brakes. think it's good. I'm touching the brakes on this because I started down this road of turning it around, but oh yeah, let's I, I let's, let's, let's 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 try. I want to talk to you about growth of a small business. How how do okay. people get into that? I want to say growth mindset because I know that kind of kind of the thing buzzwords. How do we? Oh, yeah. I mean, it's twenty. It's mid February, 2021. Yep. I mean, the COVID kind of looks like we're starting to see some light. So how do we? turn this around for people yeah yeah you know it really comes down to digital transformation uh i'll give you three buzzwords that everybody knows digital transformation ai artificial intelligence and bi business intelligence now digital transformation means a lot of things to a lot of people and every person can have a definition every company can have their own specific definition so I could tell you what mine is, and it is essentially process flow automation, okay? And this is what's really going to help many, many companies to grow by using that digital mindset because it allows you to operate at a much lower expense, okay? So think about... I don't know, maybe you're using Excel, QuickBooks Enterprise, maybe another system. They're all in data silos, and you're actually paying somebody to fill in all that stuff, fix all the errors, stuff. That's a lot of overhead, even if it's just one person working, you know, 20 hours a week on doing that stuff. Okay, you get in there, and you end up doing the uh, the the rolling out a new system that's going to allow you to get that automation it takes out all that nitty-gritty work that's probably driving your employees nuts and it allows them to actually focus on revenue 
driving activities. It allows them to focus on, you know, getting you a bigger marketing presence or closing deals, stuff like that. So I really think that's one of the big things that companies need going into 2021. So I got to I hang out with me after the show for a few minutes. I've got a really tactical question about this, but okay, I don't want to bore everybody with it because there's backstory. Uh, sure they're not bored. This well, is a, it's a good discussion. Well, I know, but I, with all my details, I've got yeah. Anyways, so I want to keep moving forward here. Um, yep. and, and like I said, it, it's interesting to watch. I mean, people start these things. I mean, I think right now. And here's the thing. Maybe maybe this is just my show. I don't know. I haven't asked you this yet. Mm-hmm. But it bubbles right now. Like I have, mm-hmm. I've known trends for the last eight nine years. Up in the winter, down in the summer, up you know, back and forth. Yep. Right? And right now it's just kind of bubbling. It gets by, mm-hmm. it's about the same numbers at month after month after month. You're talking and, about like seasons, like uh, seasonal that it, it, yeah. it bubbles up. Okay, yeah. yeah. I mean, like, I, I could spot it. I know what it's going to, I mean, there's this, sometimes there's a random spike, but then I look at it and go, oh, yeah, that's when whoever was on. That obviously generates that much more attention, right? Mm-hmm. But now it seems like there's been, uh, and I don't want to blame this because everybody's been home and there's been this push for everybody to be a content creator because it's easier yep. to do now than, it will be easier in five minutes than it is right now. I don't know how, yeah. but I'm sure somebody's... You know why that is? You know why it is? Because it, it's almost the same reason why I started my podcast, Shark Bite Biz. You can't go out and network. You can't go out to events. You're not able to grow your network and meet new people uh, outside of your daily course of life. So it's like, hey, focus on rebranding, whether it's your business or you yourself, and use something like my Shark Bite Biz to get out, expand my network, meet a whole new audience, and let them meet me. In fact, that's how we ended up meeting. So it works out. It does. But okay, so I asked that to ask you, or tell you a story. I'm telling you a lot of stories tonight. I don't know what's up with this, but. Um, oh, that's all good. A couple years ago, I got sent a link to a podcast, and I'm like, oh, cool. Right? It was a monologue based show about what I can't even remember what it was about, right? Mm-hmm. Play, it's 15 minutes. Oh, even better, right? Because this guy's attention span is probably about 15 minutes. So I'm like, even better, right? And there's this mm-hmm. beautiful intro music, and, you know, the host comes on and says, we'll be talking about blankety-blank-blank in a few minutes. And I'm like, oh, whatever. And then we play this ad for whatever product, and then an ad for their book, right? And then they talk about, oh, man, I wish I could remember what it was, but there was like two minutes of this content, and they ask a question, right? And then they'll... We'll ask. We'll answer the question after we get back, and then another ad, another promo for a different book, right? And by the time it was mm. done, there was four minutes and thirty seconds of actual content on related to the topic. And <laughs> what? So what would that make the rest? Eleven minutes and thirty seconds of intro or commercial in this. Yeah, and that's it, horrible. And holy smokes! <laughs> I, you know, and that's going to be one of the reasons why I don't think that will actually work for them except for maybe a real niche audience because I think people are being more protective over their, over their time right now. Um, they have a lot of extra time, but I don't think they're they're wasting it. They're looking for value, even digital value of how they're listening to things, whether it's audiobooks or podcasts or whatever it may be. And doing something like that, I mean, it might be good for one episode or two episodes that really interest them, but it's probably not going to grab them on long term. I was going to say, I did not push subscribe for the record. Just <laughs> um, Now, the other question, I get into this a lot with some people, a lot with a few people, the debate between putting stuff up uh, behind a paywall, right, for whatever uh-huh. reason. I understand people have money and bills. I, I get that. But... Right. There's the line there because now it feels like now that people are starting to cut the cord and the table's kind of turning the other direction and you get yep. all these services that are four, five, six, seven, eight, ninety nine a month, right? We're just we're starting to go back the other direction, they're gonna get their money. Mm-hmm. and there's gonna be a point where people are gonna be like, Enough's enough of Oh yeah. 
and you can't support you can't support everybody. Yeah, and, and you know we're in this weird. We're in the early ages of how this is all going to uh, shape out, and you have all this a la carte stuff with independent creators out there and corporate creators, whether it's like Peacock or whatever it's called, Disney Plus, all those other new things, and everything in our country probably globally too we're getting into a subscription economy and the reason is is because with a subscription revenue i mean it it's there it's predictable revenue you know on january 1st every year it's like bam i already got 10 million in the bank this year because you're going to be getting those subscriptions it's all but guaranteed and if you lose one it's not the end of the world. Now, on the flip side of it, where are consumers going to draw the line? And I think a good answer is it depends. It depends on your product, depends what you're doing, and how passionate they are to help you. Some people will be like, yeah, I really enjoy this. I'm going to chip in. But you have to make sure that those people who are essentially your clients that they're actually getting value and if they're not getting that perceived value like hey this is worth the two bucks a month this is worth the five bucks or ten bucks or whatever it may be guess what you're going to get a lot of churn churn means they cancel the subscription so i've decided i I was joking about this the other day i think i'm going to do it right here right now i'm creating mallard minus where I offer nothing more and no subscription fees. Nothing it, more and no, no subscription subs- fees. Yeah, it's just Mallard Minus, and you're going to have to sign up for it. I'm going to sign up for it. <laughs> oh, that's bad. <laughs> hey, I, I do. I, I know that we only have a, a little a minute or two left or yeah. whatever. You kick me off. I have one topic. You love the paranormal, supernatural, all yeah. that stuff. There is something that is really... I don't usually get too much into this. Like, some stuff interests me. But with this, I am very intrigued. And it is around the whole DMT, mechanical elves, that whole experience there of what people feel through that stuff. What is your take on that? It's it's. Fun. I've been reading about. It. I don't know enough about it to give you a hot take on it yet because it's so. Ayahuasca. It's, yeah, it's it's hard to put my hands around. Right, I, I I hate to be that guy and cop out on you and say I don't know, but I don't know because I don't want to. It's it feels like I can't get my hands around it because it's so not what I'm used to, which is so. Which is um, kind of weird because, as you mentioned, you just kind of read this laundry list of things that I'm normally really into. But this one kind of has mm-hmm. me, I don't know. Well, you're into it. You just don't know much about it, it sounds like. Yeah. Obviously, yeah, I, okay. next time next time we talk, or probably here in a couple months, well, not a couple months, but a couple weeks, I have a much better grip of it, I think. But like I said, the first, normally I could pick up pretty quick on something and figure out how I feel about it. I mean, I've been like, wrong about those things, but this one kind of... I, I, Requires that deeper. Yeah, I heard a story about a guy who went on, I guess it was a three-day DMT trip. I don't know if it was something else or ayahuasca. I don't know what it was. But he did this experience for three days. And during that three-day period, he actually lived a whole nother life for 40 years. Um, and stuff like that, it blows that, my mind. That's what I'm saying. Like, I don't know. I mean, like, I've heard of people getting high on whatever, whatever, you know, like, I can follow all that, but this whole, this, there's a different layer here, which just doesn't. It brings up the things like simulation theory, you know, are we in a simulation? And it opens up that whole door because it's like, if we're in simulation, then it looks like God does exist because he's the one that's controlling us. So hold on. Save that for the next show. I've got 10 seconds yep. left. Who's the oh, favorite, no who's your favorite band of all time? Aerosmith. David, thank you for joining me tonight, man. Thank you for having me, man.
Thank you for listening to this episode of the Mail Report. Stay tuned for details on saving money at the Duck Pond Shop. I hope you enjoyed this report. Please subscribe so that you can join us again. And if you appreciate the show, leave us some stars or a review. For more notes from this show or other great shows, check out Mallard.com. A reminder, the views and opinions of the show are those of the host and guests and do not represent any sponsors, affiliates, or any other partners of the Mallard Report. Now for your money-saving tip. Promo code Mallard at checkout of DuckPondShop.com, where you can get your t-shirt, coffee mug, and other great products. That's promo code Mallard at checkout with DuckPondShop.com. Until next week, stay safe and keep whacking. podcast fans want to get weird with us come check out the mad scientist podcast we are a weekly show that looks at the history philosophy and hard facts behind your biggest paranormal questions did the government really pay for a psychic spy program yes is it true that surgery got its start in grave robbing yes can a roller coaster really kill you Legally, we can't say so for sure, but sometimes... Yes! Join myself, Chris Cogswell, and my co-host, Marie Mayhew, as we examine the science, philosophy, and history behind the strange and unusual. All to discover what's possible and plausible versus what's, well, just made up. Check us out wherever you find your favorite podcasts. The Mad Scientist Podcast.